Hello, I am Joshua P. Warren, and this is Joshua P. Warren Daily. Well, I keep having these run-ins with these spooky guys who seem like government spies. And, you know, for a long time, people have used that term, spooks, to describe spies. And that's because, well, they sit back and they watch you like a ghost. It's kind of kind of spooky. And, of course, you know, I have a condo here in a large complex in Las Vegas, and I really go out of my way to keep a low profile and mind my own business and stay quiet. As you probably realize, I have more than enough friends distributed all over the world, and so I really try to have an environment here that's sort of peaceful so you know when I when I go in and out I'm not trying to have big conversations with anybody I'm not trying to make that much eye contact I mean I really am trying to just do my own thing and yet again and again when I step out the door here in Las Vegas it seems like these odd people will just stumble into me and so yesterday I got onto the elevator and I was walking down the hallway, and it was very peaceful. There was not one other soul around. So I got on the elevator, and then right as the door was about to close, I hear this man's voice say, oh, could you grab that for me? I don't know where he came from, but I grabbed the elevator door, and this big, bright-eyed, smiling, middle-aged man hopped onto the elevator, said, hey, how are you? I said, I'm doing fine, thank you. And he said, have we met before? I said, no, I uh, I don't believe so. I'm, by the way, I'm going to edit some of the details and stuff here. Uh, so he says, hi, I'm Bill. Puts his hand up. I said, hello, Bill, I'm Joshua. And he goes, uh, how long have you lived here? And I said, well, we've had, had our place here um, since May. And he goes, oh, that's great, great. You like it here? I said, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we we are enjoying all the fun stuff to do in in Vegas. And he said, so how often do you make it back to North Carolina? And I said, uh, pretty often. How did you know that I'm from North Carolina? And he said, oh, well, I'm really good at picking up accents. And now at this point, the door has opened, and he and I are stepping off the door. And I said, is that right? So you could tell by my accent that I'm from North Carolina. He goes, yeah, I'm, I'm a highly trained person. And he said, uh, my wife and I love the Biltmore Estate. Now, folks, the Biltmore Estate is the number one tourist attraction in Asheville, North Carolina, where I'm from. And then he said, yeah, just a couple of weeks ago, my wife and I were in Gatlinburg. And Gatlinburg is in Tennessee, and it's a little over an hour's drive, or maybe an hour and a half, something like that, from Asheville. And a lot of people go to Gatlinburg for a, for a fun vacation. So this guy is nailing exactly where I'm from, just like that. And uh, I just smiled at him and said, well, you're really sharp, aren't you? You know. And uh, then we went our separate ways. 
And because that, yes, I was born and raised in Asheville, but at at a very early age, I started working in broadcasting. Uh, I get told all the time by people who work in the media, well, you're from North Carolina. I would have never guessed that you don't have an accent. You don't sound like you're from the Carolinas. So, you know, it's hard for me to evaluate myself but you can probably do a better job of that since that you listen to me on this podcast and in various other ways. And you tell me if you could have pegged that easily that I am from Asheville, North Carolina, based upon the way that I speak. Pretty strange. Pretty strange. And it makes you wonder, hmm, what's the purpose of that? It's been happening a lot since that I came forth with this space-time anomaly finding in the desert on my way to Area 51. And you know, the thing is, when you hear me say this kind of stuff, and you hear me tell you that since then somebody's been trying to hack into my uh, systems, and that I've been getting people emailing me saying that I have an imposter out there contacting people claiming to be me, and then I tell you about these run-ins that I have with these spooky folks, you might think that, well, I'm just sort of um, trying to make myself appear more important than I really am by telling you about this interest that people have in finding out what I'm up to. But I want you to just pause for a second and look at this objectively. You know the amount of money and resources that the United States government puts into its military projects. I mean, you can't really imagine it, but, you know, this is very, very serious stuff. And every single day, you know, there are thousands of people who go to the airport that's right down the road from me called McCarran and have their own special unmarked planes that take them to work all day at Area 51 and bring them home in the evening. And those are just the ones that live around here. Who knows how many people practically live at the base or in the towns around the base and so, you know, this is, this, is a, this is a serious classified operation. And you have a guy like myself, which nobody can control, as you've heard me say before, because I'm not working for some company that ha- you know, with some boss that can come to me and be like, here's what you're going to do, and here's what you're not going to do. And, you're gonna, you know, I, that's why I do this podcast the way I do it. I could go to any podcasting service in the world and say I want to join your podcast service join your company and they would be absolutely delighted that it would you know I'd be a shoe in yes welcome to our company but then I would still have to agree to the whatever kind of terms that they're going to have about uh, the length of the podcast or how it's going to be set up or some kind of advertising that I have to honor once in a while. You know, I got to pitch dog treats, you know, at least once a show or whatever, okay? I mean, there's always going to be some kind of stipulation when you're using using somebody else's service like that because, well, they have to make money. And so, anyhow, I keep things as independent as possible, just like I do with this podcast. And so when you have a guy like myself who is an independent person, who is running around Area 51 taking measurements 
with a new piece of equipment that they don't understand and then going out and getting international publicity for it you don't think they are interested in that you don't think they have a little budget to sort of follow folks like myself around and see what we're what we're thinking and what we're into next especially when you know i could so quickly disseminate news right now through so many different channels that uh, i could you know you can't put the genie back in the bottle and whether it's through all the live radio contacts i have i mean just coast to coast am i can tell you coast to coast am has never censored me i mean there i can't tell you how many times that I've gotten a call from coast to coast AM at like two o'clock in the morning saying, Hey, you, you want to jump on the air and, you know, basically just, we don't tell you know, talk about whatever you want to. And I say, sure. And next thing you know, I'm live on the air and I'm talking to millions of people about whatever I want. And so, you know, I can get information out there quickly, quicker than ever, given the way things are set up technologically these days with the internet and so on. So, yes, they want to know what I know before I even have a chance sometimes to process what I know. Uh, They're probably predicting, you know, what I might find out so they could try to nip it in the bud somehow and prepare for it if I found something remarkable and put it out there. Now, I want to emphasize that is not my goal. I'm not a whistleblower I am a proud citizen of the United States of America. I love my country, I honor my country, and I would never do anything to jeopardize the the country and the country's security. So it's like, you know, you don't have to worry about me going out there and trying to intentionally blow the lid off of something. But I might unintentionally get some information that becomes risky that that I don't even realize myself what I'm what I'm getting into so like for example when I go out and I say oh look I found a space-time anomaly right here there may be people who go oh that's cute you know Josh is going to get in the paper again he had he has a new claim he found something weird in Las Vegas but one of the possibilities is that weird thing I found is the byproduct of some kind of weird government experiment that's going on that they don't want anybody to know about right now so it's not like you know i'm out there intentionally trying to cause problems but you know you're just out there exploring and sometimes you find things and you don't even know what the full body of implications are but i you know i've been getting more of this kind of um strange activity related to this particular finding than I have since many, many years ago, I came out and exposed this strange piece of footage, NASA footage, taken from the moon. And uh, this was when one of the early Apollo missions was flying over the surface of the moon, and you see what looks like a it looks like a black smokestack is how I've always described it sticking up out of the surface of the moon and right as the camera goes over the top of it it looks like the smokestack emits a little puff of smoke that drifts to the right for a few seconds and 
it's a, it's a very odd piece of footage, as you can imagine. If you've never seen it, I'll put up a link to that in a, in a minute uh, at my Twitter account. But um, I think the thing that gave it the greatest amount of impact was that that footage was shared with me by Charles Yost, who was a NASA Hall of Fame scientist. Uh, he's no longer with us, but I was his assistant, his lab assistant, and in many ways his apprentice for quite a few years, probably about 10 years, starting when I was, uh, well, too young to drive. And, you know, he had the real credentials, you know, he was a real NASA guy, and he worked on all kinds of government-oriented projects, and he always had a very sort of bittersweet attitude about it. He had he had a great distrust of of government and how technology was being used, but he also realized that you know things that are powerful enough to be abused can can be used responsibly to create uh, wonderful progress for the human race. And so I think it was because that he shared this with me that it, ga- it gained the biggest impact. And so. Uh, Charles gave me permission to be the first person to put this footage on the internet. And then after that, I went on Coast to Coast AM and I talked about it. And boom, boy, uh, it was like somebody had set off a grenade of attacks against me. I mean, within 24 hours, there were nothing but uh, just incessant attacks coming in on discussion boards through email from just vicious people who are trying to say that this is this footage is meaningless there's nothing here to see folks you know that sort of thing move along who's this kid joshua warren you know he's he's a ghost hunter what does he know and um then of course that's when i started having the spooky guys pop up that's when my telephone was bugged uh, quite obviously, because I'd pick up my landline and I would actually sometimes hear other people talking on it, and they would be like, "Oops, you know, and they realized they'd screwed up so uh throughout my my life of research, you know uh, digging into ghosts and cryptids and psychic phenomenon things like that hasn't really raised a lot of red flags among the government, but the two things that have were um the moon footage. And now, and now this space-time thing. And so that gives you a bit of an, a clue, a hint, doesn't it, as to what might actually be meaningful, you know, when you, you might actually be on to something. And, in fact, that footage of the moon uh, and that general story was featured in a two-hour special on the Sci-Fi Channel a few years ago called Aliens on the Moon. I know it ended up at some point on Netflix, so you might still be able to find it there. But they flew me to um, Florida, because uh, they were, were interviewing some astronauts who lived in Florida. And uh, so they flew me to Florida from Puerto Rico and interviewed me for that two-hour special called Aliens on the Moon. And uh, I'm always a little bit embarrassed by my interview, because I had recently been out snorkeling and having a day in the beach and I got burned and so my face looks red as a lobster but uh, anyhow uh, you know they they featured that clip and they and 
and while I was there, basically, they said, "Hey, can you can you give us some commentary on some some of this other strange footage that we have from outer space?" And I said, "Yeah, I'll I'll be happy to give you my opinion. You know, I'm not pretending that I'm an expert on all this stuff, but I'll give you my opinion." But one of the pieces of footage that just blows my mind every time I see it that was also featured and that I talked about was uh, footage that was shot, I believe, in 2012 by uh, NASA and their Solar Observatory Associates of the surface of the sun. Now, anytime you're talking about imagery from the surface of the sun, it's a pretty big deal because you have to realize the sun is 93 million miles away. And I don't care how detailed your technology is, it's still not easy to figure out exactly what the hell you're looking at when you're looking at something as uh, as impressive as the sun that far away. And so, but there is this footage, and I'm just, I guess the best way to describe it is you see the surface of the sun wavering with all of this uh, dynamic plasma energy. And then it looks like, all of a sudden, some type of a big spherical object, one might even go so far as to say a mothership, pulls up to the sun. That's how it looks, okay? It looks like it just kind of pulls right up there to the sun, extends some kind of tube or filament, sits there for, I don't know, maybe hours, like it's sucking energy off of the surface of the sun, and then when it's done, withdraws the tube like a mosquito, removing its proboscis, and then, pow, it just flies right off back into space. It's, it, I swear, it reminds me so much of like, you know, the close-up footage you see of somebody sticking a needle uh, into a cell, you know, like when they're doing genetic research or something like that, the, the way it sort of pops through the wall of the cell and components can be squirted in or pulled out. That's what it looks like to me. And so, now on one hand, you think to yourself, wow, uh, this looks like some kind of a, a UFO goes up to the sun fills up at the filling station with whatever energy, you know, and of course the, the the sun is the largest nuclear explosion in our solar system. You can't you can't even really look at it. Okay. It's there every day, but you can't really look at it. Uh goes up, you know, fills up with some kind of energy and then shoots back off. And so Live Science published a story about this which, you know, in live science is considered one of the more mainstream, credible, scientific um, journals out there. And live science uh, interviewed scientists who said, oh, yeah, okay, no, no, this, is, uh, this is called a prominence. Okay, well, what is that? Well, a prominence is some kind of a plasma loop that forms um, near the surface of the sun, it behaves very strangely. 
it has a little filament there that connects it to the sun and then it just kind of shoots away uh but we're not sure exactly how that is formed and how that works but we see it all the time okay so you're telling me uh, what it is and then saying but we don't really know what it is <laughs> isn't that typical of you know even scientists spin things it's like you either know what it is or you don't know what it is so you're telling me well this is some kind of thing we well for one thing we see them all the time that's interesting so nobody's denying that this is a phenomenon that is obviously you know it's often there but then secondly you're saying well you think it's some kind of a weird looking plasma thing you're not sure how it's formed well i would say that obviously uh the most advanced types of interstellar craft within our solar system within our galaxy would probably be composed in many cases of something like a plasma material because plasma is so dynamic and it it has all of these features that we're still exploring here on earth in terms of you know, uh, keeping destructive fields at bay, and uh, we don't even know exactly how ball lightning is formed in nature, for example, but it's a form of stable or, or, or somewhat stable plasma. And so it seems to me that, okay, if we have advanced, uh, we'll just call them UFOs, but you know, you could call them whatever you wanted to extraterrestrial vehicles whatever you know use whatever but if we have these craft of some kind out there in space that are composed of plasma that visit that they're so advanced that they visit the sun to draw energy from the sun so they can continue going off and do their thing well then how can you look here from our little planet at the sun and see that and know the difference between that and what you're just describing is some mysterious plasma that just sort of appears there next to the sun and uh you know it to me it's just like well i know you don't want to come right out and say it's possible that this is some kind of technology that's been created that's taking energy from the sun but i'm not sure that it's ethical for you to say that that's definitely not what's going on when you're admitting that you don't know what these things are and that is the kind of thing that I believe the military is protecting. Because who wouldn't want to know how that works? It, that's the thing, trying to take us closer to that type 1 civilization that you've heard me talk about, where you're able to tap into at least everything that's on your planet and all your resources. And then from there, you move on to a type 2 where you can tap into the resources of your solar system and then a type 3 where you you tap into the resources of your galaxy and then type 4 of course would be when you go beyond to other galaxies and you try to do the same thing which may be the whole story of alien visitation here on this planet because there's no doubt about it Earth has the special resources that we don't see on any other planets out there you know, we are the outstanding kid that's not like the others. And that's why Earth is in and of itself a paranormal thing. So if we go back to the letter 
that Harry Reid wrote, and that uh, to the Department of Defense, and that sentence. Uh, is it? No, I guess it's a, it's a couple sentences that I pointed out as being astounding. And I'm going to read it again. He says, uh, Exotic technologies likely involve extremely sophisticated concepts within the world of quantum mechanics, nuclear science, electromagnetic theory, gravitics, and thermodynamics. Given that all of these have the potential to be used with catastrophic effects by adversaries, an unusually high degree of operational security and discretion is required. So I, I told you this explains why that all of this UFO alien kind of stuff has been kept as secretive as possible by, uh, by the government. It's for that reason and that reason alone. Not that the government is necessarily run by a bunch of bad, corrupt tyrants who want to try to, you know, dominate the people all the time. It's that, look, there is a real threat from other people out there who are your enemies, who would want to come and, you know, kill us all. And so you don't want them to get this technology that's so powerful. It's no different than what we went through with the atomic bomb. And so that's why I do not demonize these government agencies that are looking out uh, for, for people like me and, and looking at what I might stumble into. Um, and I want them to, I want somebody to let me know if I accidentally am finding something that I shouldn't be talking about because. Look, I have been approached before by people that I believe are government agents and not said a thing about it in the media. Um, I, I've told some, you know, like my wife, I might tell a few friends or whatever, but that's it. And, and it's for this reason, because I do not want to ever accidentally say something or talk about something that could give away... Um, some powerful secret that could fall into the hands of the wrong people. So I want to know, you know, if if I'm getting accidentally a little bit too close to talking about something, what sort of reins that I should put on it. But the the purpose of this whole podcast is to sort of explain to you that when it comes to these things that actually seem to have some substance that are hitting a nerve that, that you know where there is some realistic attention being paid whether it's anomalies on the moon or something like this space-time anomaly or the concept that we might be able to tap into enormous amounts of power by getting out there into space and drawing it from all these different places these these give you clues. These give you clues that you're on to something when when the spooks show up. And so I don't have people I don't I've I i do not think I've ever had any spooky people try to interfere with my life when I've talked about ghosts. Um or like I've said, you know, uh, cryptids or psychic phenomena. I know that there are other people who would tell you their own story about that 
But in my case, no. It's just been this space-time stuff. And I think it's no coincidence that, of course, we are in the process of creating the space force. What a fascinating time. But anyway, uh, I uh, look, you know, I'm up to all kinds of interesting things. I'll be at George Norrie Live in Asheville, North Carolina, later this month. If you're going to come to that, I hope that you'll also take my Haunted Asheville Ghost Tours, hauntedashville.com. I own them, I created them, but I don't personally host them anymore. But I have the best guides in the world. So go to hauntedashville.com and you can see the options for that. And then before you know it, I'm going to be in Los Angeles, in Hollywood, presenting in person a rare, small, intimate wishing machine workshop all that kind of information is available at joshuapwarren.com if you go to joshuapwarren.com be sure to click the link there to my twitter feed because i'm going to go right now and i'm going to post information for you about both of these uh, topics that i addressed in this podcast i want to post for you a more complete report of um, or or regarding the aliens on the moon and uh, the strange smokestack looking things sticking up from the surface of the moon and then also uh, footage of this object that looks like a mothership coming right up to the surface of the sun and uh, perhaps sucking energy off refueling the gas tank my twitter feed is at joshua p warren and of course when you're at my website joshuapwarren.com be sure to click the link to the podcast because you can subscribe through various means or just follow me on twitter and i will tweet when a new one is available and you should be able to set up your twitter account so that when i tweet it actually sends you a text as well so that makes it easy for you so uh hey i hope you're having a great weekend so much cool stuff is going on you know i'll keep you updated and informed Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. Thank you for staying curious. And I will talk to you again soon.